Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Thirsty Thursday, July 2nd, July 4th weekend. Imagine that. They had Imagine us in, they had that. us in the first half. We're not going to lie. That's been going around a lot on Twitter. Did have us in the first half and it's going to be all fun and games. Everyone's going to celebrate the 4th, you know. Some people will social and some will not. And then in 2 weeks we're here an explosion. COVID is back stronger than it ever was. Uh blah blah blah. blah. See states go back into lockdown. People start to get really testy about it uh hate to say it but who saw it coming who could have saw it coming who could have seen uh, this coming that you're all of a sudden you're the one out on the ledge and now i'm trying to pull you back yeah i've never uh, seen you this pessimistic I've, about anything i'm not even pessimistic about it i just know like i just know it happened i wouldn't it's pessimistic i would say it's it's realist because there is clearly going to be a spike in COVID again and it's already happening and you say what you want about, you know, whatever, the more you test, the more cases that, but like how, this is my question. This is my question. My uneducated, you know, not completely medical professional question. How does it end? How do you, how do you eliminate, how do you stop it? It's either the virus or the herd immunity. Those are the only two options for this ending or vaccine, vaccine not yeah. a virus vaccine or with herd immunity. So I don't have a vaccine. And we're not near herd immunity. Herd immunity, I believe, I did a scholarly article. It said 70% of the U.S. population has to, have, has to have had it. So that's what, you know, 200 million Americans have to have it to achieve a herd immunity where it stops. Uh, so it's like a rock in a hard place. And it's just going to get bad. It's just going to get bad again. Uh, it's politicized, obviously. So fall where you want on it. But you can agree the, the virus is very much a weapon of the media, a weapon of the administration, all that stuff. So it's, it's just going to be a shit show. It's just going to be a complete shit show again over the next month. People are sick, uh, the social distancing and stuff. So it's, 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 it's going to reach a really bad boiling point in like late July, early August. 
Yeah, I can see it happening. The uh, spike has definitely happened again already to some degree, like you mentioned there. Um, the second wave or whatever you want to call it seems to have started to kick back up as some of these states that were taking um, maybe more lax precautionary measures early on, Arizona, Texas, they're already starting to see a big time spike in those cases. They're starting to close down a lot of the things that they had already begun to reopen. So uh, it's a very tough scene. Like you mentioned, it is a heavily politicized thing, I think, from both sides at this point. And it's a complicated issue. And I guess it is a political issue now. And with political issues, what a lot of people don't realize is that like 100% of the time, pretty much not everyone is going to be happy with any decision that you make. There's always going to be somebody that's benefiting and somebody that uh, is not seeing any benefit. And um, yeah, there will always be a minority and a micro minority for every decision. And that's why it's difficult for people to step outside of their own uh, entity, their own self, and think, oh, this might be shitty for me, but I get why this government body or this company is making this decision because 80% of the people this decision was made for, it's going to help, but it screws me. So you, you can never, never please, you're never going to please every single person, especially in today's society. Uh, unless you're the Baltimore Ravens and you win a Super Bowl in 2020, 2021. That's going to displease way. a lot of people, I'll tell you that. But Everyone will be happy. Everyone on the Yeah, good point. But yeah, I don't know. It's a situation where maybe they are going to go forward with continuing to just reopen and just take this thing in the face and try to do the herd immunity thing. Maybe it's just going to be sit around and wait for a vaccine for God knows how long that's ever going to take. And uh, yeah, there's just the only way forward is through. And uh, it's not going to be easy. It might affect football which uh, seems to have you also down a little bit, which I hate to see because I hate to see you, uh, you know, down and out. But we'll definitely get has me anxious. And the thing about the vaccine before we transition it into football is that like, it's not going to be like, let's like, if me and you were both just, you know, in a lab working on vaccines, we're highly regarded. That's a very realistic and, scenario too. And, and, you know, we end up figuring out the vaccine. We get it. We're like, holy, I'm a, holy crap, Jake. We did it. This cures coronavirus. It doesn't just go and and get dispersed a week later. Like the red tape surrounding that, different companies are going to be the one to profit the most and how they can buy it and sell it and all that stuff. It, it's it's going to be a while. Coronavirus is going to be a while. Bill Simmons was um, talking to uh, Michael Lewis about that, I think maybe a few weeks or even months ago at this point, and it's like, Whoever gets it first, it might not even be the U.S. It might be another country, and then they're going to be concerned about getting it to their people first and foremost, and then maybe the countries around them or whatever allies that they have. And uh, it's not just going to get around the world with like ease and aplomb within however short a time period it's going to be. It's going to be money, very difficult. Big money is going to jump on it and want to buy it and have it and control it and patent it and stuff. So that is just like, like the whole underbelly underworld of going to happen with that. And we're going to be at the sea of it until that happens. And it's like, you know, Fauci for there was that crazy conspiracy video about the woman who basically was like saying how Fauci's an animal, but Fauci really did prevent an AIDS medication from, you know, uh, hitting the market like two years. He tied it up in the early 80s so that he could end up being the patent and profiting. On it. And that's all been you know well documented and a reality and that it is capitalism that's capitalistic medicine yeah it's it's not easy i mean there's there's no way around it no way around it. here we are now florio saying that the nfl is already already cut they've already decided two preseason games are cut and he's going to have a post about it so they're going to give him the news yes 
So I'm getting, you know, Pelissero and Rappaport and Schefter will all be tweeting about that in the next 48 hours. Uh, I mean, you'll probably... What, what, do the Ravens have the Redskins last? I think so, yeah. Is it something like that in Baltimore again, and then in D.C. against the Redskins? I think so. Which is weird. So the only preseason games against teams that they play against regular season, if that's the case, they'll be traveling far. Gotta think training camp is going to be closed to the public. I think they're going to be able to training camp month with fans in the stands. Uh, hopefully, we're able to get Kyle, get us in there, still uh, see if I can finagle my way in there as well for a couple of the sort and get some passes and cover it for you guys. As you know, there's tons of rookies, tons of good stuff going on, but you know that might be fun might be pretty fun players love having training camp in front of the fans a bit and it, it adds an extra little competitiveness to it and some people play better that way whatever but uh, it's gonna be a lot less noise less distractions a lot more uh down to the brass tacks of getting better and getting into training camp. so those are you know covid transitioning into how it's going to directly affect the ravens and then uh we'll see where it goes from there yeah, there was a, also a report circulating on Twitter about how they probably do want to try and get fans in some capacity into the stadium this year. I kind of just don't really see that happening at this point. I already sort of didn't. And now with this second wave that there were, uh, we're facing, we were kind of already mentally preparing for it a while ago, but it's very much here. And uh, yeah, it just seems like a tough reality that you're going to be cramming all these people uh, into a stadium, regardless of how social distanced they are. I mean, once you have fans, then you're talking about concessions you're talking about tickets you're talking about security you're talking about all this extra stuff that has to be implemented to uh augment or uh at least circulate the fan experience in the way that it typically is so uh it's going to be a weird scenario and uh i think football is going to happen this year uh contrary to what some people think and i think uh what you were thinking and maybe your most eeyore type moments uh here recently but uh it's not going to look the same and it might not be on the same schedule that we're seeing right now hall of fame game already canceled like you mentioned the two preseason games probably going to be cut so, uh, yeah, man, it's weird. And, um, I hate, to, I hate to kick the show off like this. You know, we're heading into a holiday weekend here. Let's get the, let's get some positive mojo going. Oh, we are heading into holiday weekend. So birthday, well, following up the next week, July, yeah, who could July 4th. I mean, yeah. Who could, uh, actually next year for my 28th birthday, <laughs> I am double booked two weddings on my birthday, invited to both. One, a very good friend of mine. One, a very good friend of Fran's. So not only am I going to be at a wedding on my birthday, I might be flying solo to a wedding on my birthday in 2021. This kind of feels like it's going to be the last big one that you can just really go all out in for at least, you know, two years, right? No, my last big one, I'll definitely do it up for 30, but my 25th, I went to AC and oh, yeah, we went, about that. Balled, went balls to the wall for that one. Um, so this is going to be a chill one. I'll be at the beach. Will be still distancing because I want to watch football in the fall. Uh, yeah, 4th of July. Weather's beautiful. It's been wildly sunny in good old Maryland and all around. Summer's here at least. Uh, not in the normal capacity, but you know, there's been plenty of silver linings from it. Going outside, doing more nature, uh, kind of you know, fixing a home situation, being, enjoying yourself at home, all that good stuff. So there's definitely been a ton of positive from the situation, despite you know, tragic loss and uh, widespread and all that stuff. So there's been some good for some silver linings for sure, and I feel some of those directly. I mean encourage me to roar encourage you you and kyle now getting on the running so 
there is good to be taken away from it. But if there is not football in the fall, there is no good. There's no silver lining. It was all it was all a, a sham, a hopeless sham. I can't hear you like this. You're the most ebullient, positive person in my life, and you keep me up when I'm down. I can't have usually, that. usually. I just I just writing on the wall of where this is going in the next month, and uh, it's 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 going to be it's going to be trying times. Twenty twenty is really going to be one for the history books. Who we're we're in the first half, uh, concluded now into the second half. So all's kicked off. Fourth eye is basically like fourth eye is Jacoby Jones catching it on the one hundred and nine yards into the end zone in the Super Bowl. Turned out to be eight and one hundred and eight yards. Yeah, it really was. It should have been. They should have catching the ball it. eight yards deep in the end zone, taking it to the house. That's Fourth of July, and the blackout comes right out. Boom! July like twenty is going to be like fear, panic, media, Fox News, CNN. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know how you watch that shit, man. I don't actually watch. I don't watch it. Yeah, I don't know. My parents do sometimes, and like even in normal times, I'm just like, I don't know how you watch daytime TV uh, or um, what do you call it, the 24-hour news cycle. I just can't watch it. I think it's because I'm on Twitter all day, and that's where I get majority of my news, and I'm just inundated by it constantly. Uh, I don't watch it. Other people around me do. So I see it, and I like just always shake my head, and it's it's like Fox and CNN having two entities like that is just like it's it creates such a clear divide in people. I don't know. No one sees through it. how not, you know, like all doing it for the clear all for the views. They say one thing. The other says the other feel one way or the other. Vote yourself to that. And that's all they care about. They don't actually care about the issue that they're broadcasting about and all that good stuff. So I always like I like laugh when I watch it. It's like funny to me. Yeah, I mean, it's literally just turned into what like ESPN and FS1 are now, which is just like the studio shows, and we're just going to go back and forth. <laughs> Am I listening to Spanish? <laughs> D lost so hard, just go ham. Can't get on Twitter. Oh, God. Shout out to Ian Schultz, man. Um, Spenny is an Anakin Skywalker turn. <sighs> it's a tough scene, man. MD lost so hard getting, a a, getting some Twitter withdrawal going on. He got his IP banned. I feel. I think that's worse <laughs> than like the regular ban. What a clown, man! You're done. You're done. You're gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna. I may or. I'm not even gonna say. It. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Yeah. Let's, let's just spin there. Let's before. not get in trouble. Like I said, we got a three day weekend coming up. We're just going positive vibes. Let's just try to approach this like we want. Like like a nice Rogan episode where we're just sitting here, just having a nice light conversation, and it's fun. It is fun. We're having we're shooting shooting the shit right now. Uh, not you know crazy amount to talk about Ravens wise, but some things definitely some things. Couple things. I mean, so we're talking about whether football is going to happen or not. Should we just talk about some football? Yeah, let's talk about some football. If if football happens, so the big news obviously uh, that has gotten out since the last time you and I recorded. I think since the last time even Walton West put an episode out. Uh, is that Cam Newton, Cameron Jarrell Newton, formerly of the Camp Carolina Panthers, formerly of the Auburn Eagles, formerly or Auburn Tigers. Tigers, yeah, War Eagle. War Eagle, whatever the fuck. Formerly of Blinn College. Um, formerly Florida Gator. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. Former, former tight end of the Florida Gators has signed a one-year contract with the New England 
Patriots. It's a minimum uh, veteran deal that is heavily incentivized towards him playing well in 2020. So a one-year deal, Cam Newton to the Patriots. Jarrett Stidham truthers, uh, eat your heart out. The the interesting part here for Cam Newton is that it's a veteran minimum. Um, so genuinely, my question is just: Can he throw the Can he throw the football? Can he you know spin the ball right now? Uh, looks like Ben, you know, he's whistling because Big Ben's making thirty million this year. Uh, so he would be able to throw a thirty million dollar football, thirty thirty million dollar spiral. Is Cam Newton throwing eight hundred thousand dollar spiral? That's not you know that's not the Cam Newton that we know and love. I think there's a misconceptions about Cam and when he was left. I mean, 2018, the Lamar's rookie year, not long ago at all, Cam was ripping through football uh, until First he got in. the season, yeah. He was- about halfway in. We saw the Panthers season Lamar ended up starting. They kicked the Ravens' ass. Um, we're having, you know, I never hated Cam at all. And then I see him handing the ball out in the stands, like laughing at the Ravens. And I was like, I still love you. But uh, so it's, in- I'm interested. You know, I compare it to Andrew's situation in a way. It's shoulders, big bruised quarterback. Uh, what do they have in the tank? It feels like, you know, Cam has no wit and luck uh, was able to walk away and be happy with where he was, but it feels like Cam not satisfied uh, ending career that way. So he wants to try. Luck didn't end his career exactly the same way. He had a playoff before he ended up retiring, but uh, just curious, curious to see what he, obviously it looks like physically he's able to run, jump, freaking hit all that. Stuff, but I'm just curious what's in that, uh, it's that right shoulder. Yeah. I mean, it really depends, but honestly, the way I look at it, I'm pretty fascinated by the whole scenario. Um, I think the incentivization of the contract is a pretty good, uh, scenario for both parties. I saw Richard Sherman getting a little chirpy about how they were like not respecting him or whatever. And I sort of go back and forth on it. Like, I've always loved Cam, too. I think he's a tremendous player, and uh, I think if he is healthy, he's got a big comeback on the horizon. But I do understand the trepidation around signing a guy who's had injury issues for the last couple of years. Uh, And I do understand, you know, a lot of people were chirping about them not signing him, trying to, like, compare him to, like, Kaepernick, weirdly. I was like, dude, come on. Like, this guy's going to get signed. It's going to—he's going to find a home eventually. There's just, you know, not a whole lot of open spaces for him to go and play right now where he's not going to be— challenging an established starter and sort of taking a little bit of that spotlight, maybe where he's not going to be intimidating a younger guy a la a Sam Darnold. If the Jets were to look into him, that's going to be kind of weird for Sam Darnold if they sign Cam Newton as a backup. So just go sign Joe Flacco. He'll, he'll fit that role pretty well. So Cam Newton, the one place that I could have really have seen it happening was New England where give me all the Jared Stidham mythology you want, Pats fans. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Brian Hoyer is suddenly going to come back. Uh, we'll be when we see it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's probably not going to happen now because you bring in Cam and you mentioned the the idea of him throwing a really good ball. The He's been a pretty good deep ball thrower throughout his career, especially that MVP season uh, in 2015 and then a couple years after that, obviously. But I look at this Josh McDaniels offense. I look at the personnel they have in Edelman, these running backs, and the fact that with Brady, they were able to manufacture some pretty good offenses with the short passing game. And I know that you've mentioned that Brady was better with the deep ball and uh, they challenged it deep a lot more than people maybe really perceive, but just the, upon the eye test, it does look like they're well suited to be able to do the quick passing game and the short runs and maybe get cam involved in the short runs. And I do think back a lot to 2017, I believe that was the year Brady got suspended, right? Or was that 16? I think 16. 
six. Yeah, it was 16. So Brady got suspended 16. in 16 for four games. Garoppolo starts off the season pretty hot. He was like a third-year player at that point. And then they had a rookie, Jacoby Brissett, uh, also in the mix. So Garoppolo gets injured. They have, I think, their third game against the Texans. Brissett has to start, basically the emergency guy. They throw him in there. They basically run the single wing with Brissett. Like, they're just running him all over the field. And he's developed into a better passer. But they're basically just, like, not even using the passing also game with not him. Also, not, like, Brissett is athletic, but he's not, like... like he's, he's not, he's not Cam. He's Big Ben athletic, like, young Big Ben athletic. He's like an old he's ball, not like Yeah, like, he'll get you where you want to go. But they... They were basically just doing what some of the stuff that you saw with Lamar in his rookie year with Brissett. And in that sense, I think Cam is much better suited to do that. You probably don't want to do too much of it uh, with his age and the fact that, like we mentioned, health has been an issue. But uh, I am very, very intrigued by this partnership. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm not so willing to hand the Bills the crown to the AFC East. I think it's still going to be a pretty tough matchup. But honestly, uh, Bill Belichick and a quarterback of this talent and this pedigree, I think they're going to make something work. I don't know if it's going to be 2015 Cam MVP, but uh, I think he's set himself up well uh, with the right situation. And, uh, you know, if he goes in there with the right mindset to have a nice little comeback here in 2020. Sure. And you even go back to Josh McDowell's his time with Tim Tebow, who is basically the poor man's Cam uh, as a quarterback, and some of the things they were able to do. And Cam, you know, his shoulders messed up, but that like that's a th- he has a throwing issue, not a physical like a toll on his body issue. He is still fast, strong, big for contact that stuff. So uh, it, it's just going to depend. And there's you know Danielle Rossini and and people tweeting out basically you know Patriots still like Stidham, they still like Stidham, and yeah. But as you you know, I believe it when I see it. Uh, if we're going to go with Stidham, and Stidham turns out to be a stud. I don't have, you know, I scouted in college. He was fine. I've, you know, had like a fourth round grade on him or a third round grade on him. Uh, he can make some throws and, and like that, but I have, I have nothing to tell me that he's going to be a successful NFL passer, a top 15 back in the NFL, anything. So uh, nothing easier. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to trot him out there and see that if you're going to start him over cam, I have see all that. And it's not going to be justified unless Stim is, you know, four and two halfway through the year in that range, five and two, they're winning games. He's protecting the ball. Their offense is somewhat efficient. Uh, it just feels very unlikely that Stidham is going to get chosen over Cam Newton, who is from what and everything that I've ever watched and watched on show, whatever the hell called, uh, anything I've ever taken in about Cam. He's a genius of a quarterback as far as reading grid and, uh, understanding where the defense and all that's he always has been student of the Kim and Keekly freaking boys while film like that goes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. So that it's Belichick. I think that Belichick, you know, has always loved the idea of a mobile quarterback and the world that it can unleash. And obviously, you know, he's happy that he had Brady for so long, but if Brady ducked out eight years ago, you better believe Belichick would have a quarterback that he can run a full offense uh, and incorporate some of these. I mean, the Patriots have always been gimmicky. They've always, you know, done the double back pass, the reverses, tricky screen, the, you know, unbalanced lines and all that different shit and, and toying with rule things. So you better believe that, I mean, there's a possibility if Cam Newton experiment goes well and he's, let's say, 80% of his MVP self or 80% of his MVP self in New England, Ravens are going to be facing 
a really similar team to themselves. They're going to be, you know, kind of looking in the mirror. A defense that somewhat blitzes a lot, runs a lot of cover zero, cover one. And Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson are, I mean, able to orchestrate kind of offense, ball fakes, and all that good stuff. So it could be a very interesting matchup for the Ravens down the road. Yeah, you know, and it could be a situation where you have maybe Edelman is, you know, kind of a quasi-Steve Smith for him. You have Nikhil Harry, you know, Kelvin Benjamin obviously has not gone on to have a tremendous career, but he had a great rookie year in 2014, so you get a big, strong target that he can maybe uh, go to a little bit on the outside there. So it feels like the pieces are in place uh, for him to have a little bit of success. So uh, very intrigued by the move. Uh, and there's a, some, finally, I think I heard this on the around the NFL con, uh, podcast, there's finally some excitement around the Patriots. They were shaping up to be a very boring team in 2020. Like and as much oh, as Patriot fans are through the through the roof, yeah, yeah. Some well, some of them are. Some of them were very much on this whole Stidham train, and they're now trying to convince themselves that Stidham is still going to be the starter and everything. It's just a, a weird, you know, scenario for some of those guys. But they were shaping up to be a very weird, boring team. That, quite frankly, I didn't believe too much in Stidham. I don't think I would say I fully didn't believe in him, but uh, just like you mentioned, there's not a body of work there for me to fall back on and to really care too much about. Um, so now you throw Cam in there, you got a lot of excitement, and AFC East shaping up to be a pretty fun division, I would say. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, intriguing scenario all around. Um, but I guess that is really as far as big-time NFL news, that's pretty much all we had. You had Clowney talking about how he is starting to narrow down his list of teams uh, that he would be willing to play for. He doesn't have anyone decided on just yet, but he plans to sign prior to the season. He also had Chris Jones of the Chiefs, the defensive lineman, talking about how he might hold out potentially if need be. So a couple of... Oh, uh, that'd be so name, sick. Yeah, a couple big name guys around the league uh, starting to get some of their stuff out there before, before training camp is hypothetically going to open. Right, and once it we get into August, there'll be some trades or some signings. Uh, that last little flurry, the season starts teams haven't had their guys in the building so you know it's, it's going to be maybe a little before where they haven't been quite able to assess what's going on how rooms look where they feel like they're lacking certain areas do they need vet do they need you know uh, to go in a different direction somewhere somewhere along the line we're seeing baseball trades already start uh, there's going to be oh my god baseball is going to be insane it, when they open with trades and moves and stuff condensed and uh, kind of asked, I guess, or maybe not. I don't know, but I would anticipate a lot of trades in baseball. So I'm curious to see uh, if the Ravens are able to strike and make a move. And people forget they were sniffing around DeAndre Hopkins reportedly, and you know, sniffing around Jamal Adams. So, I mean, they're they're East Hawks. They're having discussions, a stuff. It feels like a move, some sort, will happen before the summer is concluded, and you know, here in the fall. If everything goes according to me, it feels like it's will a move, probably not, you know, going to be a monster move at the time or thing, but it, it just feels like there's too many, uh, Tacosta rumors going around for them not trying to pull me. I mean, imagine if they had Andre Hopkins right now, yeah. and gave, you know, one of those second round picks and Edwards. Yeah. I mean, it would be, uh, <laughs> quite the scenario your your connection's a little not great right now so i, I lost mm. some of that but uh yeah i mean it does feel like there is a lot of smoke surrounding the team so i wouldn't be surprised to see 
a move made at all. I mean, but, you know, I'm kind of looking at some of these wide receivers that uh, you and Voss have been talking about. Curtis Samuel, hopefully, uh, could be a guy that will be on the market there. Christian couple. is another one that comes to mind. Christian Kirk, he as said? Well. Yeah, Christian Kirk feels like he could possibly okay. be an odd man out. Yeah, I would like that very much uh, because he, he's been pretty productive for a guy who hasn't had a ton of great quarterback options in his few years in the league. Uh, yeah, Christian Kirk would be good. Dez would be good. Think about maybe, I feel like the Giants have a lot of guys. You ever think about that? Maybe. Yeah, not- eight, they've got Slim. They've got, you know, Evan Ingram. They've got. Uh, Shepard. What is this? Yeah, Sterling Shepard. I think they have another Shepard. I think they have Russell Shepard. Russell Shepard, yeah. You got, uh, and then also looking at Tampa Bay. I mean, you got three strong tight ends there. Wouldn't hate a move for one of the uh, two odd men out uh, other than Gronk in Cameron Brait or OJ Howard. Not really sure how the money would look there, but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of options out there, and it does feel like a move uh, could be ripe to happen here before camp opens. But speaking of the Ravens, I guess we could touch on some of the news surrounding them. Uh, I did want to bring up that our boy Miles Boykin has been working with Gold Feet Global, we've learned, and that the Ravens are going to be looking into him uh, or looking into using him a lot more this season, which we've been pretty much talking up all along. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see if Boykin can be a little more aggressive, a little more shifty, uh, get his feet on him, and, and go attack the damn ball in the air. That's what I really want to see. If Miles Boykin has a good year, it will be because he uh, attacks the ball earlier, goes after the high point, uses his frame, and turns, you know, uses that forward aspect of his game. Uh, he, he has the same build kind of as a guy like Allen Robinson, and we've seen him able to scup up and make some catches, but a big part of his game is going to be tested catch and the red zone balls. And uh, I feel like he doesn't getting really low out of his breaks and being efficient for how large, how he can move and being clean and things. But I just want to see that aggressive mentality. And I think gold fleet global, you know, really helps to implement that and, and help emphasize where you need to sell and what part of your game you need to really take advantage of and for Boykin. It just feels like that. Just, just go rise up, take the ball away from people uh, point be a group. I felt like he was timid past year a little bit. And that to me is really a defining uh, kind of path. Am I going to be goes and gets the ball? Am I going to be, you know, the aggressor, the pass catcher, or am I going to be this tall finesse guy who really has the role of a receiver three, four more in that way. If you're not going to, you know, attack. if you want to, if he wants to attack the ball this year, uh, we saw it in training camp. We saw it in the preseason. He's able to make these fantastic, catch radius big catch radius plays but in the regular season he just felt very small and and condensed in catch radius and i really want to see that again and take off because he's a fantastic blocker he does do a really great job separating especially at his size so you know those 50 balls and all that stuff will add a huge element to this offense if he can be a real wide receiver too like a legit one like a most a couple years ago someone like that that would be awesome. Great thing for this offense who doesn't throw the ball to receivers a ton yet. That would be big, big for the program. Yeah, we've seen Hollywood been putting in work all offseason. We've been trumping him up as a guy who is going to have a big 2020. So uh, seeing Boykin working with him and with Gold Feet Global, uh, it's just a great thing, man. It warms my heart as a guy who wants Boykin to break out in a very big way. Uh, some other Ravens news. We had Calais Campbell, our boy Cialis, talking about how Coming to the Ravens is a uh, big move for him because he feels like it is going to be his last big shot to win a ring. 
And that's what kind of stigma, I guess stigma is the wrong word, but kind of the uh, mystique of the Ravens. I'm trying to identity, I guess, that they always are a contender year in and year out, and they're a you know, solid organization. You keep getting the third contract guys. And those guys, Anquan Bolden, Derek Mason, Eric Wool, I mean, their identity, Rob Woodson, all the way back, Shannon Sharp have been embedded in this franchise. Trevor Price, Elvis Dumerville. Uh, this franchise gets those guys who won't ring, who aren't necessarily seeking giant contracts anymore. They've already been paid. They know that they're not in their prime anymore necessarily, but they want to ring. And making Baltimore that decision has been a huge part of this franchise's identity and the way that they you know, conduct their personal and their roster decisions. So knowing that good, elite, really elite players like Clay's Campbell still feel that way in 2020 is a great thing. And uh, obviously the Ravens have great odds to win the Super Bowl. Vegas has them as a super high contender. I think the second or third best odds as we sit here today. And yeah, so all things, you know, are looking green, good to go. And it's always good, always, always, always good to hear that the Ravens uphold that reputation of being a contender. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, very cool to hear uh, from a fan perspective to hear players talk about the franchise that you root for like that, because as much as a lot of fans probably do talk about their team as one that likes to go for it and that cares about winning, uh, it's unfortunately not always true in that case, uh, but you definitely do feel it with the Ravens and with the way that Bashadi approaches running pretty much everything. Uh, there's just a sense that he wants to go out and uh, accomplish things with his football team rather than just make money off of it, which is very cool. Uh, that's not to say that he's suffering or anything because because of it. The guy does very well, obviously. But uh, yeah, to see that investment pay off in the form of praise from veteran players that you bring in to uh, try and help you get over that hump and to help them finally get over that hump and get a ring for themselves. It's very cool, nice little feel-good story that I think we could use here in the what is going to be very soon, the dog days of summer, uh, with a lot of uncertainty lingering in the air. But I uh, wanted to bring that up for that reason. Another bit of news was that it looks like Tavon Young is quote unquote ready to go coming back from his was it a neck injury? Neck injury? Neck injury, that's all we know. Yeah. So he had a They never really Yep. Never really gave us any good details on that. So it's a nebulous neck injury that he had. Nice little alliteration for you there. A nebulous neck injury for Tavon Young that he is now fully back from and ready to go to well, returning to quite frankly a pretty crowded cornerback rotation. Yeah, and if they only, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Von Young, like, if he's to 100% and plays 16 games, in my opinion, he is the skit most valuable cornerback on the Ravens roster. Having a full 16 game at a high level from Tavon might be more valuable than having a full 16 games from Mark Peters. Uh, or Jimmy Smith, I would say Marlon is probably, but the reason that Tavon to me is so valuable is because he allows Marlon on the boundary. And if Tavon goes down, then Marlon has to go on the slot and you got Jimmy on the outside, which is fine. But, uh, it's, it's just, I feel like it's a drop off in slot cornerback day from Tavon to Marlon. And there's a drop from Marlon to either Marks or Jimmy Smith at this point. As far as you know, playing the Chiefs or playing really explosive wide receiver cores, offenses, and Marlon Humphrey, who can you know stick with Tyree Kill to an extent, and uh, with some of those really matchup problems, Marlon's been really great against pretty much every Tyler Lockett 
uh, over the last couple of years. And Lockett didn't really get him that bad. Got him like three times. wasn't like anything too crazy. So Tavon is huge for the program. Turnovers, creeper blitzes. He was damn good at all those. Back to the uh, scoop and score where Patrick Owasso knocked the ball out. Tavon picks it up and scores. They're getting him back in the backfield. And, and Tavon, just that classic, you know, gritty slut blitzer that the Ravens love to have. Had so many guys like him before. I'm glad to have him back. Yeah, one of the old adages that uh, I believe Ozzie subscribed to is that you can never have enough cornerbacks. And uh, it's only gotten more and more true the further we've gotten into this passing era. Uh, it feels like to be able to stop a team like the Chiefs, you need to have equally as many horses in the defensive back department as they do in the offensive threat department. So it's good to have a guy back in that sense, uh, kind of like that. But yeah, man, you got Humphrey, you got Peters, got Jimmy Smith coming back. I uh, got a couple of safeties that they're going to be rolling out there. So uh, it's it's going to be maybe a little bit tough for him to get on the field right away. But that's probably a good thing uh, looking at his injury history. You know, he obviously has a propensity to not be able to stay healthy, which is unfortunate for him. A lot of freak injuries, nothing super nagging. So maybe if he can just get through one training camp without having that freak injury and uh, you know get a couple of games under his belt, he'll start to get rolling, and he will have himself a nice 2020 season. That's what I think we all hope for with Tavon Young after signing that contract extension with the team very recently. Uh, and just an all-around good guy. I like Tavon Young a lot. I want to see him succeed. So, uh, yeah, nice to have him back in the picture. And then I think our last bit of news that we we're going to hit on here, uh, obviously the the big news that everyone's been talking about is that Ravens center Bradley Bozeman putting his RV that he drove around the country and up for sale. Lived in. He lived in that RV for the past year as well. Uh, him and his wife, Nikki, stayed in that RV during the season and had a couple little, you know, fun short videos done by the Ravens team and uh, team website and stuff like that. So Bradley Bozeman seemed a really fun guy, really nice guy uh, to see why, you know, John Harbaugh called him a, a guaranteed starter pretty much. And it feels like he is going to just continue maturing and, and being that guy in the community that the Ravens like and uh, want to keep around. So but Bradley Bozeman trending up RV trending down thing looked like a butte. I've had, I've been in some really cheap RVs drove one to spring break actually once. Uh, Maryland, Florida, and that was uh, quite a lot. So I can relate to the RV life, and even though it was a luxury one, and mine was a cruise America, a cruise America. Let's get that story, or at least some details. Uh, drove from Towson, Maryland, to Panama City Beach. Sixteen people on the way down. We stayed in a condo, and then four other kids stayed in the RV that did not drive with us, so they used that to stay in. We stayed in a big, big condo. It was fun, played some card games and, and whatever, drank some beers and stuff. We got pretty rowdy in the like final hour and a half before we got down there. And uh, I remember you know, my buddy Rob was driving pretty much the whole time and he was like, stop drinking, everyone stop drinking. You know, like I don't feel like I get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. Me and my friend Sam, who's actually about to cut my hair in a little over two hours, uh, had just shotgunned a beer and everyone got really quiet after Rob told everyone to stop drinking. And then Sam just puked right down the middle of the RV, dead down the center of it on the floor. Like, and then everyone just erupted laughing. So, so is good it, times in the RV. Is it moving at this point? What was the RV moving when he puked? I think, uh, in traffic, like we were like in traffic. Oh man. Pretty heavy. Traffic. I don't know if that's worse or if you're moving and it's like flies to the back. Not to get too graphic. I don't. It, it doesn't work like that. Like in the RV, there's no wind. Well, I'm not. I'm just saying that, like, 
it's moving. Like it depends on how fast he's driving. Maybe it could start just rolling at some point. I, I've always had a dream of doing an RV trip. RV trips, very fun. Also took one from Atlanta to New Orleans for the Super Bowl because uh, when my mom got tickets to go see the Ravens Super Bowl, the cheapest hotel was like $8,000 a night at that point because New Orleans, Party City, people there for the Super Bowl no matter what. And we were, you know, last minute Ravens fans. My mom was like, uh, can't really afford 10 grand a night on a hotel. So we stayed in RV for two nights, I think. Three nights, two nights, three nights. That's kind of sick. It was pretty sick. We had a, a shower on it, ran it, drove it from Atlanta. We did get a, we got a flat tire in Alabama. Had to sit there for five hours, wait for to come replace an RV tire. It was not fun. Uh, but yeah, good times, good RV times. Did you so see shout the, out to the Bones and Did you see the Bozeman's uh, asking price? No, I did not. You want to guess? Hundred and eighty grand. Not even close. Forty six lower. Forty six grand. Wow. You know what we Must should do is big. we should go in together and buy it, and then we'll we'll drive it to training camp and we'll park it outside and we'll get interviews, and then we'll we could do like a week we could so do like a sick. a week where we like drive around we could call it like um I don't like know spit week spit week or something like that yeah just something cool where we just like drive an RV around the country and interview people what do you think about that Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. That'd be pretty sick. Okay, so I mean that's probably all we have. We're running about forty minutes. We don't have to go overly long today. I uh, wanted to quickly get a Sandwich Wednesday update. It is Wednesday. Haven't had my sandwich yet. A lot of people are having their sandwiches. Uh, I think we got like 13 submissions so far, something like that. And I'm going to have myself a meaty turkey sandwich. The last thing was Sarah Ellison. Uh, did oh, a yeah. article yeah, on. That. No, it's all. That, that was our news segment. But Sarah Ellison, who always is, you know, great Ravens Twitter figure. If she was an editor for the Ravens website for a while and, and does some work with Ken McCusick and stuff now. Sure, most of our listeners are familiar with Sarah. She's great. But she uh, quantified some data and put out essentially that there's no correlation between how frequently a quarterback runs the ball and how often they're hurt. And she cited some info from Sports Info Solution and their injury coordinator who uh, basically determined that of the potential outcomes of a quarterback play, uh, where there could be a hit involved, whether it's a quarterback run, a sack of a quarterback, or a quarterback hit or knockdown taken, uh, that there's about one injury per every 172 runs. So one out of 100, every 172 times quarterback tucked the ball, they got hurt. Uh, whereas with a quarterback hit, quarterbacks got hurt one out of every 55, I think. I went further with that and looked at some data, and I have done some charting of Jackson. I think that, uh, what's his name, Michael Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire had done a similar article, but uh, his left out a couple things that I found important. So essentially what I found is that Lamar Jackson has run the ball 323 times in his NFL career so far. 295 of us have occurred since he took over in week 10 of 2018. Uh, 39% of those runs, I think it's 123 of them, have resulted in either, so of just his runs, have resulted in either an, uh, running out of bounds. Only two of them were actually a slide. He's only slid technically twice. But so out of bounds, slide, or falling forward and giving himself up, that's the one he does very commonly where he just 
you know, because I was going to say you could probably just lump those in with slides to some extent, right? He's not a good like baseball slider. He does what Cam does. Yeah, where he falls forward. Yeah, he just falls forward, and so that's that really is a slide to me. Uh, but some some guy on Twitter was like, Lamar Jackson's only slid twice out of 320 carries. I was like, come on, bro. Like He falls down all the time. Come on, anyway, man. so 39% of those carries uh, were one of those. Uh, non-hit, as I qualified it. Then 10% of his carries, 33 kneel downs. Uh, actually, I need to tweak that one. So 33% or 33 kneel downs. Uh, over his 295 carries. So I actually need to go in and fix my article. That is a good point. But 33 of those were kneel downs, which is a little over 10%, which means that around 50% of his runs are no hit, out of bounds, kneel down, uh, giving himself up, one of those. So then we're just talking about quarterback runs. Obviously, he blows everyone out of the water. So I went and looked at pass plays as well. He has taken 39 sacks and 75 quarterback hits over his 20 NFL starts. Uh, for Harrison, Russell Wilson took... Let me see. I have it in front of me. Russell Wilson took... 50 sacks. Where do we have it? Great radio right now. Uh, 48 sacks and 111 quarterback hits. So Jackson, in total, uh, over his 22 starts has taken 264 hits, which is a total of 12 hits per game, where Russell Wilson took 48 hits and 111 or excuse me, 111 total quarterback hits, 48 sacks, and that's just as a passer. So Russell Wilson takes about 10 hits per game as a passer in 2019. Lamar Jackson takes 12 total. Uh, that's just of Russell Wilson's passing only Deshaun Watson on it as well. Deshaun Watson in 2019, 15 games and took 44 sacks and 86 hits. So what I drew from is that Lamar over 22 career starts has taken uh, 39 sacks and 75 quarterback hits. Both Wilson and Watson blew those out of the water in one year alone. So just six games, way more hits for Wilson and Watson. And then, as I said previously, Data shows that a quarterback hit is a more dangerous hit than the hit that occurs when you run with the football designed quarterback run or a scramble. So it just really balanced out. And long story short, they all take the same number of hits. And in the end, you know, I wrote an article, I'll just sum it up, is that every hit is different. Uh, every quarterback's hit. I wrote that, you know, Alex Smith, Joe Theismann, Joe Flacco, Tom Brady, and Robert Griffin the third will all do it only takes one hit. Whereas yeah. RG3 was kind of more 10 hits, but it just takes one hit. It can happen in the pocket. It can happen whenever. And so the sentiment of my piece in the end is that uh, enjoy Lamar Jackson while he's happening. He has incredible spatial awareness and vision. He takes care of himself. He does take a lot of hits. Too many hits, the Ravens should turn it down a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's it's not – other quarterbacks are getting hit like one or two less times per game just based off of passing alone. So enjoy it. Enjoy a spectacular player. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the common phrases when Lamar Jackson exploded on the scene at Louisville were, you know, things like, oh, he's the next Mike Vick, things like that were, oh, that's not sustainable. He takes too many hits, but he really does. In the end. Yeah. And I mean, we've been speaking of Cam Newton, we've been making that comparison a lot recently where we feel like he could maybe go on to have a career like the one that Cam had in Carolina, which people might decry that a little bit. But Cam had an MVP season. He made it to a Super Bowl that he very well could have won, had a couple of bounces gone his way. 
And a lot of successful seasons there under Ron Rivera. You also mentioned the Wilson and Watson thing. What do those two guys have in common that uh, they do not have in common with Lamar? Two front offices that are completely negligible or negligent as far as putting competent offensive linemen in front of them. They just get absolutely hung out to dry every single year. I know the Texans have tried to patch it up a little bit there with uh, Tunsil, but we'll see what happens in that sense. Uh, But those two guys just absolutely not taken care of in the same way that Lamar is offensive line wise. He might not have the weapons that those guys do or have had, but ultimately I think uh, having that offensive line in front of him is going to help with the inside the pocket hits that you're mentioning. And we've also harped on over time. This is something Matt Waldman has also kind of called to attention for us is that he is very different as a runner in the way that he does not take contact uh, in the way that a lot of other running quarterbacks do and did. Uh, like an RG3 in his prime, even when he was healthy, he was still, every time he got hit, it was like a car wreck. Like they're just, you know, limbs flailing everywhere and just like not a good situation with Lamar. It's like, it was, it was pads and helmets hitting pads and helmets. It wasn't like, you know, with Lamar, you just see a lot of like pulling him down and kind of like just trying to trip him up and, and pushing a little bit. Like it's, there's so few square hits when you watch Lamar Jackson play. Yeah, I think he has a weird, uncanny ability to kind of make himself small in those situations where he just kind of becomes a little more lithe, a little more flexible, and he just advances the ball forward as he falls, and it just kind of goes about his business. It's not really a situation where he's trying to play hero ball every single time. So I think that helps. I think he's a very smart runner in that sense, and uh, like I was hitting on there, I think he's well-protected up front in the offensive line. So ultimately, um, very excited about his prospects over the next decade in that sense, like you mentioned, I think the mobile quarterbacks getting hurt and, you know, all this stuff happening, there's some validity to it, but a lot of it, like I mentioned earlier, can be freak injury scenarios where, you know, you, you break a leg or you tear an ACL or something like that. There's not a whole lot you can do about that kind of stuff, unfortunately. Uh, you just got to sort of play smart and do your best to make sure that it doesn't happen. And uh, yeah, I think with the way that Lamar currently plays, he's set up well uh, so that it doesn't, I mean absolute knock on wood situation but uh, I think he has set up pretty well based upon all the things that we had already been talking about and then uh, this study and this due diligence by you I think it's tremendous stuff buddy and uh, I really appreciate it yeah and you know we mentioned Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson's a guy who's had two surgeries to repair torn ACLs and go look at the playoffs go look at the late last season he was making tons of plays with his legs still uh, diving into the end zone making crazy touchdown runs all sorts of stuff. So it's it's one hit. It to me is just more about uh, having you know a good recovery, a good rehab injury. I feel is inevitable. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, has torn an ACL. Never was a mobile quarterback. It happens. It happens to pretty much everyone except for Eli Manning and Brett Favre. And you know, there's a couple other quarterbacks you can throw in there. Philip Rivers had to play a damn AFC Championship on one leg with a torn ACL. It's part of the game. It happens. Uh, it's going to happen. 98% of the players that play the sport as a professional, they're going to get hurt. They it, happened hurt. To, uh, it happened to Sean Watson as a rookie, and he came back as good as new, if not better. Exactly. With a so, similar playing know, style to Lamar. Exactly. And, you know, Watson, the, not as much with the design stuff, but scrambles at a higher rate than Lamar does. Um it's it's you know still too many hits at the same time because not none of what article talks about or that information can account for like we said Cam Newton and the toll that it takes on your body over years and adds up 
And that's that's something that's difficult to qualify and, or quantify, and I'm not going to. But in that sense, you know, you want Lamar to, you want your offense to transition away from him having to take these hits, and you want to transition it, uh, doing that while still maintaining the threat of his speed and his open field ability. Um, not pushing it in games or situations that might not be as important all the time and 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 just trying to be conscious of it because I mean yes 50% of his rushing attempts don't end in a hit but 50% do and that's a lot of hits a lot of hits a lot of contacts a lot of a lot of limbs flying around and um, if you want him to be a franchise quarterback you want him to be a 200 million dollar quarterback and all that stuff you got conscious of it now if you want him to be good when he's 30 but at the same time you want to win a freaking Super Bowl and you know I'm sure Cam Newton probably would give uh, maybe I'm wrong here I don't I'm not the guy but you know maybe he would be happy retiring if he were able to uh, win that Super Bowl I think maybe so. he would be yeah maybe he would feel better more accomplished uh, you know less motivated ever he if he won that Super Bowl if he did dive for that ball, let's say Cam dives on that ball, gets it back. The shoulder injury happens there. The Panthers go on to win the game. Uh, Honestly, I think that whole think thing is a little overstated. Like that happened and it was not great, but they were probably going to lose the game even if he did. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think that had anything to do with them losing. I'm just saying like that's the narrative. And like hypothetically, let's say, you know, Cam can choose injury or injury and the Super Bowl over no injury. He'll probably take the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl and retire now as opposed to go and play in New England uh, or, you know, not win it and get an MVP and have all that success. But now you're kind of searching for a ring and not turning into a journeyman necessarily, but you're going to be on your second team. So it's a it's an interesting scenario for sure. So uh, you do have to take care of yourself as a young mobile quarterback in these unforgiving NFL streets. And that's why G3 is there as a constant reminder so and you go and if you google rg3 taking hits, there's like a three minute video of him from his rookie year and it's worse hits than you've ever seen lamar take but at the end of the day only one hit it just takes one hit and that is the sport of football it doesn't matter what freaking position you play where you are anything of the sort you can get go down at any time you can go up at any time uh up down left right all the good all that good stuff so enjoy it while it's happening Hopefully the Ravens are, you know, I'm sure that they're conscious and competent towards things. Harp last year said something along the lines of, you know, I'd bet the over on Lamar breaking the rushing attempt record this year, different sentiment. So, you know, conscious of, they see the developments as a passer. Uh, if Lamar, you know, wasn't an MVP last year, wasn't a NFL leading guy. If he average mediocre passer at best, you know, maybe you're a little bit more like, all right, run the, rock let's do the damn thing see what we can get out of a year or two of it. but it's not the case dude can make plays with his arm uh keep going that way trend that absolutely anything else nope get us out of here okay really appreciate everyone listening a little bit of a thin week for you on our front but i do believe the flock talk came out with an episode we so we got uh, our two episodes of content in for a week hope you guys enjoyed both of them as we head into this fourth of july weekend be, be safe out there, guys. If you're going to the beach, whatever you're doing, practice social distancing because I can't take any more of uh, Eeyore Schultz over here. Just completely bringing my mood down because of COVID. Okay? Okay. It's, it's too late. Okay. Destiny is written. It's too late. COVID, second spike coming. You heard it here first. But 
it's all good in the hood. I've been rewatching The Sopranos, and uh, his therapist talks to him about how he has this complex where he's just sees everything as predestined, and he's just too gloomy about stuff. That's kind of what I'm seeing right now. Fate is not written it's in the stone. I, uh, I you can you can call me that, but I just to me it's just foresight, baby. Just good old foresight. Come on, Eeyore, let's go play. Oh man! No. Why are you always so sad? I have a nail in my anus. <laughs> it's a great family guy cutaway. Uh, yeah, uh, but here I am getting us out of here in a very cheery mood for this uh, holiday 4th of July weekend. Like I said, be safe, be healthy, call your parents, wear a mask, do all that good stuff. If you're going to the beach like uh, Lord Spen Powers here, uh, be sure to wear a mask, social distance, do all the necessary precautions that we need to have football in the fall. Uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to it. If you're not already, leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, follow us on social media. You can follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. And you can follow Spencer at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four in the middle. Really appreciate you guys. Have a great holiday weekend. Stay safe and stay healthy. We'll talk to you very soon. Peace. All right, thanks, thanks a lot. I'll see you guys. See you later. All right, God bless. God bless.